Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Ralph Sampson for another week. Looking forward to this. So we'll tell you about it in just a second. Well, the NBA draft, Trey Murphy, right, moved up. Grizzlies, the trade, Pelicans. They say he was one of the fastest risers, Ralph, as far as uh, the NBA draft last week. I mean, come on, Mac. We, we all thought that uh, maybe you shouldn't have came out of school early. I'm mm-hmm. sure Tony been like, maybe you have one more year to go and maybe you'll be better next year. But he must have had some great um, showcases with NBA teams, right? He must have had speed and agility quickness because – and that's the greatest thing about Tony's system because sometimes you can hire a player and he developed and maybe he was developed sooner than he did. But I was shocked that he was 17, but I'm happy for him uh, just because that's another UVA guy under the Tony regime that's now in the NBA. And it shows everybody out there how good that coach is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, can develop, I can recruit a player. I can develop a player to get to the NBA and be somebody that you did not expect, right, they even get drafted in the first round right. to make it to number 17. Yeah, don't get don't get caught up in that 58-54 score, you know, in the pack line defense. Get caught up with the fundamentals that those guys learn under Tony. And by Absolutely. the way, all the all the film I saw of Trey, uh, when I when I saw it a couple of days later. Tony Bennett was right in the background. He was right there sharing, oh, absolutely. you know, sharing in the draft party and, and uh, you know, for, for Trey Murphy to do that six, nine can shoot the three. He already, you know, in his interview, I said, Hey, Zion's always going to get a guy and a half. He says, I'm going to be open. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm going to be gonna somewhere open. It. I'm going to do something, yes. Yeah. So all you got to do is knock down a three. He's good. He said, I'm going to put it up so it won't be a problem. But uh, uh, today we got a great, great story. I'll give you a little precursor, and then uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. Dolph Pulliam is a is our guest today. And people go, oh, wait, who's Dolph Pulliam? You know, he didn't play. Well, Dolph Pulliam was – literally uh, an outstanding basketball player with Drake university in the Missouri Valley conference. And he had a chance with his teammates in 1969 in the final four to upset Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor at the time and UCLA in the final four, they lost by three, but he had a chance. He cut the lead to one with eight seconds to go. 
and Drake had a chance to pull off the upset. So Ralph and I will be back. We'll talk with Dolph Pulliam and tell you all about this story because I think you are going to enjoy it. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is Samson Family Foundation. Org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. We were at a time when uh, America was having racial problems in those days, but we had no problems at all. And we had talked ourselves through that to show that we wanted to become a family and the best that we could be out there on that basketball court. And so it was easy for us. This is Center Court. Presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network and Center Court. Ralph Sampson's here, of course, and I've got to introduce this guy, Ralph, because um, I was growing up in Des Moines. I was a 16-year-old, and in 1969, Drake University made history. And uh, the story will get a little deeper as we go uh, into the show today, but Dolph Pulliam is just was literally an iconic figure in Des Moines, Iowa. It was a graduate of Drake, and he played on the 69 team with a chance to beat UCLA in the NCAA tournament. Their run to that basketball Final Four really, I mean, it put Drake on the map. It put Dolph Pulliam on the map. And, and now he's involved in a project which we'll, we'll discuss. So, Dolph, uh, welcome to the show. Your career, your run, your chance to play not only with the Celtics but the Dallas Cowboys, but you elected – to stay in Des Moines and work for Drake University and be a part of education. So, Dolph, welcome. It is so good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I have had a wonderful career, great life. It's probably not over yet because I, <laughs> I got to keep getting me involved in things. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it is a fun time. I, I've really enjoyed it. There have been some challenges along the way, and there have been some disappointments along the way. There has been some scares as well along the way, especially the scare when I first went into television broadcasting in Iowa. So that was a scare for me. But my whole life has been a challenge. As you, as you pointed out, uh, being born in West Point, Mississippi, uh, back in the 40s, uh, we were born with a time when the Ku Klux Klan ruled Mississippi. Jim Crow laws were in, in effect there. We had no rights. And, um, and my family, my family, we were cotton pickers. We lived on a farm and we picked this lady's cotton. But many times during the summer, the Ku Klux Klan would come out in their trucks and their shotguns and they'd make us get in the back of their trucks and they'd take us to a point somewhere in the countryside and we had to stand there and watch my people being hanged. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was one of the tough parts of me as a little kid growing up. Fortunately, my mom had the foresight and the connections to get us out of Mississippi 
and get us to uh, Missouri, Oran, Missouri. And soon after that, she died and uh, left yeah. all nine of us and a 17-year-old brother to be in charge of the whole family. Well, so, hold on, hold on. so take me back. You actually, <laughs> as a young man in Mississippi, went somewhere on the back of a Ku Klux Klan truck and saw people being hung. Is that what you just said? Well, it was it was an amazing and a very terrifying time. And we had to stand there with them pointing their shotguns at us. And on one side, now on the other side of the road, there were the white folks and they were picnicking and they had food and they had drinks and they were having a good old time. And all we could, we had, didn't even give us more uh, water to drink. So we just had to stand there. And then as they were hanging my people, uh, they would shoot off their guns and they would be cheering and yelling. And uh, it, was, it was a horrible time uh, for me as a, a young boy to see this kind of thing. And, and I couldn't wait uh, to get out of Mississippi. As a young man, that's just hard to fathom, you know, that you experienced that in your lifetime and saw those. And I'm sure you may have some some, or had some nightmares, but your mother had the fortitude to get you out of there, which, uh, you know, I think everybody's mom is really special, obviously, but to get you out of that situation. So that tells me a lot about you just in general, right? Because of your background with your mom and your brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff as well. So I like to also with this show getting special, what, what's the, the key ingredient that you got from your mom to be who you are today? A couple of things. I'm glad you asked that question. One of the things she uh, my mom dwelled in us, drilled in us, was working hard, hard work, and make sure that your work is the best. Picking cotton, uh, if you pick cotton and you, um, and you, the cotton is dirty, um, you, you are getting punished for that. So we had to pick cotton and make sure that the cotton, when it came out of those cotton balls, it was clean. That was one, hard work was one. The other thing she taught us was, always respect the oldest in the family. If I'm out of the household, she used to teach us, then you respect the next, the next oldest person that's in that house, you respect and listen to them and do what they tell you to do. And that's how she raised us. And that carried me through the rest of my life. And that is working hard, and respecting my elders. It's a great story. Dolph Pulliam is our guest, former Drake basketball player, uh, really Mr. Iowa. Uh, Ralph, when you find out that the governor asked him to stay in the state, uh, it becomes a pretty special story. Dolph, I had heard that before about growing up in Mississippi. Did you ever, uh, were you ever close, rope around your body or neck? Uh, were you ever beaten by the Klan yourself personally or members of your family? No, we never were. And um, we lived on a farm, this Alice Crump's farm in, uh, in West Point, Mississippi. And, um, and we were never threatened, but my brothers, my older brothers, Charles, James, and Joe, that were 17, 16, and 15, were starting to become rebellious. I'm six years old, so I'm, I'm too young to become rebellious, but they were starting to become rebellious. And all you need to do in Mississippi at that time was to disagree with a white person, look them in the eyes, and uh, uh, or look at one of their one of their um, female women. Those are the kinds of things that you could get hung by in Mississippi. Charles and James and Joe were getting to be that kind of person, and my mom saw 
that that would happen and they she needed to get us out of there mm-hmm. we would lose them and so that's why she got us out with all that when's the last time you've been back to mississippi or do you go back and and, and reminisce and see how mississippi is today has it changed much because uh, you know for me i probably would never go back if i had to remember that right but have you gone back to experience uh, mississippi today oh ralph um we could go on and on and on about this but after I graduated from Drake University and started working, I decided that I wanted to go back to West Point just to see what the town was like. And so I told my friend uh, that invited, that uh, told me that if you needed anything, just call me. And that was the governor of the state. And so Governor Ray and I were talking. He said, so what are you going to do this summer? I said, Governor, I'm going to drive back to Mississippi and see my hometown. He said, well, go. He says, take my number. And if you run into any problem, just give me a call. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm going to call one of my friends down in Mississippi in case something happens. So they'll know. So I didn't know who he was calling. So long story short, I got stopped by a state trooper. <laughs> he uh, he uh, called me a lot of names. He banged on my car. And uh, he said that I was rebellious. And they arrested me. They took me into this little small town and they put me in jail. And there I am. And I asked him, when am I going to get a call? And uh, so he, they let me make my call. And I called the governor in the middle of the night. I called the governor and I said, this is what's going on. And he said, Dolph, don't do anything to, 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 to cause a problem. He said, you just keep quiet and let me handle this. And I said, okay. So I just sat there in my jail cell. And all of a sudden, banging, breaking through the, the little small town jail door was the, was the National Guard of Mississippi. <laughs> they had their guns drawn and they said get him out of that jail now and wow. they flew out of the jail and then they made them get in the jail oh wow 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 <laughs> and they said to, and, and then they brought my car and i i continued on my trip but i had a state trooper following me the entire time that i was in mississippi uh visiting but what have happened if I didn't have my friend to call? Yes, sir. Yes. Back in, in, in Iowa. So that was my visit back to West Point, Mississippi. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's that's some pretty heavy stuff. Dolph Pulliam is our guest. Dolph, so you you get to uh, you get recruited by a lot of people. Uh, you become a, a really solid basketball player and a football player. And um, but you choose basketball and you choose Drake over. I know a couple of schools, including Indiana. Why Des Moines? Why Drake University? I had never heard of Des Moines, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was growing up and didn't think I'd ever touch bases in Iowa. But I was supposed to go to Indiana University. And it had been written up in the papers and everything. Dolph Boyd was going to go to Indiana. But I was playing in the Indiana All-Star basketball game. And I guarded a fellow by the name of Butch Beard. And so Butch and I battled it out, battled it out back and forth, and the game is over. Uh, we won the game, and Butch and I are standing in the middle of the floor congratulating each other, and Butch is saying, Adolphus, I am so happy you won the Indiana. And I said, why? He said, well, because I'm going to Louisville. <laughs> and he said, and I'm in the Missouri Valley Conference, Indiana's in the Big Ten, and we never play each other, so I'll never see you again. that. <laughs> <laughs> And then this guy, after Butch and I, Butch left, this guy said, nice game, Dolph Pulliam. And I said, well, thank you, sir. And then he said, I said, who are you? And he said, my name is Morris John. And I said, Mr. Johns, I never heard of you. What do you do? He says, I'm a college basketball coach. I went, oh, coach, oh, coach. 
I'm going to Indiana. And he says, I heard that. I heard that. He says, can I, let me ask you a, a question. He said, what are you going to major in in Indiana? And I said, well, they haven't talked to me about that yet, coach. He said, son, you're supposed to tell them. And I said, well, coach, they haven't told me about my education. <laughs> and, and, and he says, well, son, he said, whatever happens to you if you go to Indiana and you don't graduate with a degree, how are you going to get a job? And I said to him, I said, well, where are you a coach at? And he said, well, I'm a coach at Drake University. And I said, well, coach, I ain't never heard of Drake. <laughs> I said, what is Drake? He said, it's in Des Moines, Iowa. And I said, well, coach, you got me there too. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. What are you going to major in? And I went, I don't know. He said, son, if you come with me, I'm going to guarantee you. I'm going to take care of you like you were my own son. And you will graduate from Drake University with a degree, not in basket weaving, but one you can get out there and get a job with. And if you get drafted into the pros, which I, he asked me, if, what would it happen to me if I didn't graduate? And I told him, I'm going to play for either the Boston Celtics in the NBA or the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. He's oh, wow. yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, well, what happens if you don't do that and, and you don't graduate? I said, coach, I don't know. He said, son, come with me to Drake and, uh, and I'll make sure that happens for you. And that's how I got to Drake. 12 seconds to go. He's way short. Pulliam. Hips and release with eight seconds to go. Phenomenal back. Alcindor over to Shackleford. One second. The game's over. And a one-point decision for UCLA. UCLA wins its 19th tournament game. There's a shot at the you're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back in the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. It's great to have Dolph Pulliam with us, uh, a name that I knew because I grew up in Iowa, and I'll never forget the spring of 1969. I think we had about two feet of snow on the ground, Dolph, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but that 69 season with the, with the Drake University team, you had some real – uh, knockdown drag out games with some of the Missouri Valley teams like Louisville. I know that was a memory, but, but that run at the final four will always be etched in stone. And I would imagine etched in your heart as well. Yes, it was, you know, and, uh, and going back to the Missouri Valley conference, that was truly one of the toughest conferences in the nation. And you had teams like Cincinnati and Louisville and, and uh, it, uh, uh, St. Louis and North Texas and Tulsa. It was a uh, Drake. It was a tough, tough conference to, to play in. Memphis State was in that conference also. So every night on that basketball court, it was a battle. It was a huge battle out there. And it was almost like we're playing in the Final Four every night at Drake University or on the road. And he was even worse sometimes on the road. But I remember going, getting, after we had won the rights to go to the NCAA tournament, the first time in the history of Drake University, our team gets to go to an NCAA tournament. Coach John brought us into the practice gym, the old Drake Field House, and he set us down and he said, now guys, I'm gonna tell you how you're gonna defeat UCLA. Yeah. This is gonna be a long practice, folks. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Coach John didn't even come into practice dressed in his practice warm-up uniform. He was in a business suit. And we thought, has he gone, my <laughs> given up on us or what? He says, here's how you're going to defeat UCLA. He said, the first thing we're going to do, we're not changing any of our offenses. We're playing man for man. He said, uh, we're going to play, and who, oh, whomever gets out center, he says, you, you're going to have him all by yourself. 
He said, but we, you're going to hold everybody to their scoring average. Lou Alcindor, which was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm -hmm. is going to get his points. But how we're going to win is Dolph is going to hold Len Shackleford to five or less. <laughs> I says, coach. He said, you got a whole shack up with the five. I said, coach, he's averaging 24 points a game. He said, dog, five or less. That's how we're going to win this game. Okay, coach. Okay, coach. And that's how the whole thing began. A little bit we know that uh, this game was going to be a knockdown, drag him out brawl. But uh, it was it was a fun game. As the game started, UCLA jumped out on us 11 to nothing. And I had never seen anybody as tall until I saw Ralph, of course, <laughs> as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, the first basket we scored, I went in for the layup, and Kareem is coming at me, trying to get, trying to block that shot. He couldn't get it, and I, I was able to lay it in, and that's how we got going up until then. We were 11 points down. Back and forth, back and forth, this game went. The announcer for that game was a fellow by the name of Kurt Gowdy. Yeah. At the start of the game, and and before after the introduction, Kurt was excited, so he kept calling us Duke University. <laughs> <laughs> this school you had the right colors. You had the right colors. Yeah, when Duke, he says, uh, this Duke team is the darlings of the tournament, but they're no match for the powerful Bruin of UCLA. At that time, UCLA was ahead of us by eleven points, but by halftime, they were only ahead of us by one point. In the second half, then the game went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the very end, 10 seconds to go. And uh, my teammate took a shot from the corner. We all got around the basket. I'm banging there with Kareem and with Sydney Wicks. I get the rebound, lay it up, score the point. I thought I was fouled. The referee wouldn't make the call. We had five seconds to go. They took the ball out of bounds. Uh, Lou threw it to one of his teammates, which was Lynn Shackleford. We took it away from Lynn Shackleford. At that point, the referee called a foul on us. The game ended. The horn sounded. We lose by one point. Shackleford goes to the free throw line, makes two free throws, and they beat us by three. And that was the end of my college basketball career. <laughs> so did you hold him to five points? <laughs> Believe it or not, Ralph, I did. <laughs> five points. And the guy that hurt us was a guy that has been averaging only four points a game. His name was John Vallely. He scored yes. seven points that night. Wow. <laughs> and that's how they beat us. And so the coach came in and and he forgot to say maybe somebody else had picked up the game. And then he say, well, he didn't figure he'd get cheated by a referee, right? So you had kind of two things <laughs> fighting against you there. So I get it. That's a fun story. Well, it was an amazing time because, you know, of course, Drake had never been there. The little school, even Kurt Gowdy got it wrong. And now... Uh, but Dolph Pulliam, because I think of the late layup and I think just, but he was the epitome of uh, guts and, and, and basketball and always smiled and treated the media with respect. And, and Dolph became just such an icon in Iowa that, um, as I said, the governor, Ralph, got very, very close to, to Dolph. And I want him to tell the story because then when Dolph now is looking into the Celtics, maybe, or maybe going with the Dallas Cowboys, how many times do you think, the governor would have talked to you and said, no, you're going to stay in Des Moines. I want you to stay in Des Moines. The governor, Dolph, correct me if I'm wrong, right? The yes. governor asked you to stay in Iowa. Uh, Coach John called me over to his office and he said, Dolph, there's a group of businessmen that want to take you in front. And I went, oh, who are they? And he, he said, well, 
he started running down the names. Well, the only name that I could see was Robert D. Ray was the governor. And I said, well, I know him. And he's and the rest of them were big philanthropists, uh, presidents of large companies, Fortune 500 companies in, in uh, Iowa. And so I said, well, coach, are you going to go with me? He said, well, no, they didn't invite me. They only wanted you. I went, coach, well, what, what do I do? He said, just go and listen. So I did. I went and listened. And that's when they asked, coach, they all asked me, to stay in Des Moines, don't leave us. We want you to stay here and whatever we need to do to keep you here, to make you happy, we will do it, but don't leave us. And so I came back to campus coach, my coach said, so what did they say? And I told him, and he said, okay, so what did you tell him? I said, well, you told me not to tell him anything. You said, <laughs> <laughs> he said well, what are you gonna do? I said, well, coach, I wanna go play for the Boston Celtics. He said, think about it, Dolph, just think about it. And one of my professors, who was an icon at Drake University and the voice of the Drake Relays, his name was Jim Duncan. He was my radio and television broadcast professor. And Professor Duncan had me come over to his office and he said, look, I've been waiting for a student in my class for all my career. He said, finally, I got a student like you. And he said, Dolph, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to your dorm, put on a suit and tie. I want you to go down and meet with the, uh, the, the, the station manager in Des Moines at the CBS affiliate. And I want you to take that job. And I said, Professor Duncan, but I'm gonna go play for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> no, I want you to take that job. Now you go down there and meet him. So I put on a suit and tie and went down and met the station manager and talked to him about 45 minutes or he never got a word in it in anyway. I, I talked <laughs> and I said to him, I said, look, Mr. Dillon, I said, I'm gonna work for you. He goes, you are? He says, I didn't know. I didn't offer you the job. And I said, well, that's okay. I'm going to work with you. Oh, okay. And I said, I'll see you in September. He goes, oh, okay. Wait a minute, he said. What am I going to pay you? I said, you'll be fair. You'll be fair. And I left. Went back and saw Professor Duncan. He says, you take that job? And I said, Professor Duncan, why is it so important that I take this job? He says, like I said, dog, I've been waiting for a student like you and fortunately, you're an African-American. He says, all of my teaching career, and I finally got you. He says, son, anybody can go off and play in the pros, but you will become the first African-American television broadcaster in the state of Iowa. And doing that, Dolph, you're going to open the doors for others to come up behind you. He says, that is your legacy. That's why it's so important that you take this job. And I was speechless, and I decided to take the job. And that's wow. why... Turned down, I called Coach Landry and told him I wasn't going to play. And I called Coach Arbach and told him I'm not going to play, that I'm staying in Des Moines. Matt, there's some synergy here. There's a couple of things, right? So, one, I, I turned down Red Arbach as well. And, and then Governor, uh, it was a Charles Robb at my parents' house down the steps. There was a plaque that says, I am a um, I'm property uh, or, or a resource of the state of Virginia. Uh, so, so you're in the state of Iowa, and I'm in the state of Virginia. But who would you have played with if you went to the Celtics? You had to play with whom? Who would, who would have been you you played with there? First of all, Bill Russell was the star of the show. Yeah. Then there was Casey Jones. There was um. I don't know. It was Sam Jones, Casey Jones, Bill Russell? Because Havlicek, that's the yeah. place. Yeah. He told me I was going to be the John Havlicek replacement. Right. So, so that was the players I remember. They said, please stay. We want you to stay here. We like you. We like what we see in you. We like how you work with people, meet with people. Dolph, would you be a part of this community? I never regretted it either.
The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. Uh, great to have Dolph Pulliam with us, a former Drake University player in Iowa, uh, Missouri Valley Conference Hall of Famer, and uh, now is is part of a, an effort with uh, Doug Aljun, who's our good friend, who just retired as commissioner in the Missouri Valley Conference. But now they're part of a story about a guy named Johnny Bright. And people are saying, well, wait, I've never really heard of uh, Johnny Bright. But And Dolphin, I'll, I'll let you tell the story. But truly, one of the great, great football players in the late 40s, early 50s, and a guy who was going to win the Heisman Trophy, but was totally mistreated in a game when uh, Drake went to face Oklahoma A&M down in Stillwater, uh, part of the Missouri Valley. You, uh, you pick up the story from there. Why do a documentary on Johnny Bright? Well, Johnny Bright came from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So he's an Indiana boy. And he had, been, uh, he had asked a lot of colleges that wanted him to play if he could be the quarterback. And none of the Division I schools in America would allow him to be quarterback until he talked to Drake University. Drake said, we'll let you be quarterback of our team. Only Division I school in America in those days to allow an African-American to be quarterback of the team. So Johnny Bright was the first African-American quarterback wow. in Division I in the United States of America. And so Johnny Bright came to Drake in the late 40s. By 1951, Johnny Bright, uh, his senior year, or 52, his senior year at Drake, Johnny Bright was uh, in, the, in the hunt at the top of the running for Heisman Trophy. Uh, uh, and he would have been the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. Unfortunately, as uh, Mac has said, uh, Drake was playing football in uh, Oklahoma. And every team had targeted Johnny Bright that they played because he was black. And so Oklahoma, uh, every time the, Johnny Bright would hike the ball, go back for a pass, the referee who's standing back there with Johnny, supposed to support and protect the quarterback, he would turn his head as Johnny Bright would release the ball. After the referee turns his head, then an Oklahoma football player comes in and takes him out. So eventually he took, he hit him three times and the third time he broke his jaw and that took him out of the game. Wow. So Johnny Bright then, finished the rest of his year, but he couldn't play any more football. And because of that incident, Johnny Bright lost out in the hunt, the race for the Heisman Trophy. If he had been healthy, he would have won the Heisman Trophy that year because that's how fantastic of a person he was on and off the floor. He was not just a great football player. He could play basketball, baseball, track. He could do it all. So, so here's what we want to do. We wanted to... Uh, do a documentary on the life of Johnny Bright to celebrate his life because many people have never didn't know that Johnny Bright was the first African-American football player in the nation. And so when we started telling the story, we surprised a lot of people about who he was and what he has done. He went on after Drake and played football in uh, Canada in the Canadian Football League, had a stellar career there. He retired from there and became a, a high school principal in, in Canada. There's a school named after him in Canada as well. So, so there's a lot that Johnny Bright has done that we want to celebrate. 
Drake University is honoring, has honored Johnny Bright with naming a college after him. So he has the school of uh, uh, Johnny Bright School of a Human, I can't remember the last, what it is, but it was Johnny Bright School. And that is what's going on. So with this documentary now, I'm gonna to get to the real fast. The documentary is gonna uh, uh, tell about this, his life story. And there's some great people involved in that that may be interviewed in there. And I love to start throwing out names, uh, but I'm not sure Doug want me to throw out the names. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, 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 we'll pull his coattail. We'll pull his um, coattail. Ralph, what, and what, what took place uh, during that time is that um, if you remember, and well, maybe you don't, way before your time, but back in our day, no, no sports center, uh, no real right. TV highlights or whatever. So you relied on the Sunday paper uh, for pictures of – of action and they would uh they would take pictures photos of in sequence you know an entire pass play would be on maybe the second page or the front page of the des moines register and the des moines register won a pulitzer prize for capturing yes. the johnny bright getting knocked unconscious wow. incident when they broke his jaw they showed many pictures they showed close-ups and they brought to light for the fans the fact that johnny bright was the target that day uh, playing Oklahoma A&M in Stillwater. And so, as as Dolph explained, he lost the Heisman Trophy. He was truly the one of the greats to play in the United States. And uh, that and that that game, the NCAA built rules for players to wear mouth guards, and they started wearing face masks wow. in football. Right, Dolph? Have I, have I got that right? Yeah, you got it right, and they demand it. That officials not turn their heads, uh, but protect the quarterback, so that none of these illegal hits uh, could be could could happen ever ever again. And so Johnny Bright helped to change football in America as well. So I think it's a great project, Dolph. And I know as you try to get it off the ground, how how has it been received? You know, the people you talk about, and Ralph, if somebody tried to raise money, wouldn't you want Dolph on the front lines? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, we'll Dolph. sidebar on that one, but I, I got I got some ideas. So it's an amazing <laughs> story. I'm, I got the information in the document in my email, so I'm going to look it up and read it more tonight as well. But I commend you for that story. I mean, Doug been holding back on this, Mac. I mean, right. I mean, he, oh, yeah. He's been holding yeah. back on it. We got to get on him a little bit. Exactly. I knew nothing about it. Dolph, how, how has it been received? Uh, you know, the money trying to be raised and what do you have a timetable in the documentary? Let me just put it like this. We're in the third, almost the fourth quarter now. Uh -huh. So we're almost there with the fundraising. But we hit sort of like a wall and uh, we can't get beyond that wall. We, mm -hmm. we just got one more segment to raise. Uh, to make this project go. And that's what we're struggling to come up with the final uh, final money uh, to pay for the, the, uh, the uh, filming of the project, the editing of the project, and the airing of this uh, wonderful documentary. So that's what's happening. We, 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 kept, we started this with a lot of enthusiasm. We thought that the fundraising was going to be relatively easy for us because of the name Giant Bright. Three quarters of the way in, and we find that we're we're struggling right now to try to get over the finish line. When I told Ralph, I said, "Ralph, we have a story to tell this week on the show." And uh, <laughs> uh, when where did you get your attitude? We told a heck of a story from Mississippi through your days at Drake, and and now you know doing all the things that you're doing. Where did you get the Dolph Pullian personality that 
I'm not sure no matter what has happened in your life, you've ever seen a bad day. I, I tell you what, you know, and, and I have had some bad days. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've learned, one, people have said, well, why aren't you an angry man because of what happened down in Mississippi to you all? Well, one example is the lady who we, whose farm we worked on, Miss Alice Crump. That lady was a wonderful lady. And in order for us to get out of Mississippi, because in those days, people could only leave Mississippi if you're going to escape Mississippi at noon at night. Because if you get caught by the Ku Klux Klan or Jim Crow people or the police, you're going to get beaten and brought back into that, into that town again. So we had to get out at night. And there had to be a, some logistics worked out. Mm -hmm. Mr. Crump gave my mother, believe it or not, the money for gas to get us out of uh, Mississippi. Miss Alice Crump made a sacrifice with us. That was nine of us picking cotton, 10 of us with my mom. And she was losing 10 workers in that in the farm field. But mm -hmm. she was willing to get out to do that for us. How can I hate people, uh, <laughs> a, a, a race of people because of that? And then throughout my life, I, I have people that have come into my life, even if been ever so briefly. And they've said, like Miss, Miss, uh, Miss Shaw Drake, it offers you a shine person. She says, but I'm going to teach you something, how to become a very, very dominant person, a very talkative person, a very outgoing person. She says, son, I want you to hitch your sternum to a star. Well, I was embarrassed. I wasn't sure what my sternum was. <laughs> but she said, this is your sternum, and there's the star. Hitch your sternum to that star, son, and you will never look down again. You will always look up. You will always look out, and you won't, and you will talk to people. Right? Mrs. Shaw taught me that my freshman year at Drake University. She's helped me a lot. Jim Duncan helped me a lot. People have come into my life back and forth and back and forth, and they've helped me. The thing that I would tell young people is pay attention to those folks that are coming into your life and giving you advice ever so briefly, and then they're gone. If you pay attention to them and you listen and you digest that, those things, and good things can happen to you if you work hard and you keep clean, you will, you will make it in life. So I can't hate people for what has happened because so many people of various colors have helped me become successful in my life to the point where now I want to give back. I want to help. So the, that's what's happened to me, Matt. And I was going to ask you, what's your favorite quote? But I just got that. So hitch your sternums to the, to the star. Yeah. I'm in my seventh week of basketball camps for kids at Mass Nutton Resort in the, in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area. And tomorrow morning when I get there, that's going to be my first words. <laughs> hitch your sternum to a star. I'm going to use yeah. that tomorrow. So you know, I'll keep your legacy going with that, that quote for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Ralph, the reason is it keeps your head up. Yes. If you did it. Dolph, um, we can't thank you enough. And uh, we wish you and Doug the best with the project, the Johnny Bright project. Um, when I found out this week and I called Ralph, I was so excited. And I said, look, somebody in my history, in my history, where I sat and where my mom made snow ice cream in <laughs> April uh, at the final four, uh, because it was, I mean, it was a snowy night in Des Moines, Iowa. But Drake University uh, hits its basketball star to, uh, to history and uh, with a chance to beat UCLA in a game that maybe it's, maybe it's better. You, maybe it's a better story that you guys lost. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> a chance to knock off UCLA in a night that Dolph Pulliam made a name for himself, Ralph. 
And uh, he, he truly is uh, Mr. Iowa, one of the most inspirational guys that, uh, that I've ever met, talked to. And it was, a, it was a thrill, Dolph, because I remember it like it was yesterday. What a memory. What a thought. And I yeah. tell you, it's been a great life. I've enjoyed every, every minute of it. Um, I, I still go out and talk to groups and young people, especially young people. I like to inspire them as well about this, the story of how you can do things when you just don't be negative. Don't think negative. Think positive. You have to have some defeats. You have to have some failures in life. With those, that helps to build your character. It makes you the person that you are. And quickly before we leave, when I took that television broadcasting job at, mm -hmm. at Channel 8, I received death threats uh, from day one, the time that they put me on the air at, in Des Moines, Iowa. I had death threats. And they kept coming and they kept coming until finally my station manager had to call for help with the CIA, the FBI, and they had to protect me until we could get the death threats stopped. Wow. So it was another setback in my life. But I didn't let that defeat me. I kept working and I kept working and I got, we got through all of those things. Dolph Pulliam on the Winter Circle Network in Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Ralph and I will return right after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back. Our final segment on Center Court, the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. And uh, we've done a lot of interviews. I'm not sure we've done one as inspirational as uh, Dolph Pulliam. Mac, you know, when you ca called me and said we got this gentleman on, I like, like you, I didn't know who he was. I did some research, obviously mm -hmm. read up on today's show. And everybody out there listening, this is what Center Court is all about, right, to me. We, mm -hmm. we, we got great people, great shows. And imagine being six, seven years old and going to watch people being hung in Mississippi. Yeah. That part to me, it blows me away, right? I'm sure he still got memories of that. But to do what he did, turn down Red Arback, go back <laughs> and be a state product. I mean, the story is amazing. And I, yeah. I mean, they, they should be, I mean, I get uh, uh, the other documentary he's trying to do, right? But a documentary probably should be done on him. Uh, just his whole life story is amazing. Yeah, when you think about and going through because his father had left, his mother had died. Uh, he was going to go to Indiana when a guy by the name of Maury John, who was a big name at the time. And Maury said, tell me about your education. And Dolph goes, well, they didn't talk to Indiana, didn't talk to me about my education. And he goes, right, well, right. We're, I'm going to talk to you about education. And that, that sold Dolph. And then for the governor, because he had a chance to play the Dallas Cowboys. They were interested. He had a chance to go to Boston, as you just pointed out. And the governor, uh, Governor uh, Ray, 
uh, steps up and goes, no, we want you to stay in Iowa. <laughs> Mike, who, who turns down two iconic <laughs> sports franchises yeah. and, and, and NBA, NFL, who turned down both of them in, in the same breath? I mean, that's, uh, and when that's, he not, gets, that's not heard of. And when he gets thrown in jail, the state FBI or all the, all the badges, whatever, storm a guardhouse. They, they break him out of jail and they put the guards from that town in jail, back in jail. in jail. You couldn't write that story. You cannot write that I mean, story. You couldn't write it. Anyway, it was, it was way too good. And I'm so glad we had a chance. You're wrapping up camps. I know you're uh, kind of a bittersweet for you. You love the camps and, but I know you're, you're happy that uh, the sun, that means summer is almost over, right? Yeah, summer's almost over. One more week of camps. Uh, we in our seventh week going into our eighth week. It's been phenomenal, Mac, at Massanutten Resort. Um, I was there, and and kids uh, are calling back and talking, and parents are loving it, and I'm having a great time. I got a chance to spend some time with my youngest son Robert up at camp mm -hmm. as well. He loved the camps as well, so it was some special time with him and myself. He's going to Japan and play. Uh, I wish him well wow. on being safe as well. He will be. But uh, spending time with him, coming to camps to see how Samson Basketball Academy will transition, you know, after I'm done, which will be many, many years to go. But doing right. it with my sons is very special to me. So it's been a good time for all of us. Great. And uh, what are you telling the kids tomorrow? Show what? Hey, stern them to the stars. Stern them. I, I got. I wrote it down. I have to write it down. But uh, attach your sternum to the attach stars. Attach your sternum to the stars. I got that note. Got that quote. Always hold your head up high. All right, that's center court on the Winter Circle Network. He is Ralph Sampson. I am Mac McDonald. Have a great, great week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winter Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.